Welcome back to the Northern Kentucky Football Show podcast. Another action-packed weekend in town on Friday and Saturday with another one coming up this Friday. Really starting to see good football throughout the area, including massive offensive numbers as well as stubborn defenses. Beachwood and Bishop Rossert remain unbeaten after wins this past week. Ryle had another strong night on both sides of the ball to win their third straight. Got a chance to catch up with Mike Engler to talk about the Raiders and this three-game win streak and what he's looking forward to this week at Highlands. Speaking of Highlands, they went across the river and dropped their first game of the year. Cuffcath won their 14th straight game against Dixie in what was a great game to watch. All the big dogs were out in Park Hills Friday, including the Joe Daneman in the building. Big game Dale Dawn, the GOAT Wayne Littmer. And I spent the entire night trying to get Tyler Hopperton of Mount St. Joe and Trevor Stillman of Thomas Moore to recruit kids that are some of our favorites to cover. Facts. I think it went pretty well. We'll see. I was doing the same. Yeah. We're advocates. We are. And I like to think that. Actually, somebody asked me about you. We had a lot of people reaching out on Sunday and Monday like, dude, are you guys not doing a podcast this week? And I would have to say, well, if you listen to the end of the show... Uh, of the week three show, you would know that we were going to have to do it on Wednesday only because you had the who day on Sunday. And someone said, well, can you not do it without Joe? And I said, I could, but he is the greatest ambassador of high school sports in the area. So why would I not? So there you go. You're saying they would have had to stay to the end of the show. That means putting up with our (laughs) 15 minutes therapy session. Yeah. I'm not sure people wanted to do that, but it was good for us. It was. It was good for me. There were other uh, news guys there on Friday at Cuffcath, but they're no good. Who was the dude with his sweater hanging out? Uh, He had his polo unbuttoned and his chest sweater hanging out. I don't even know who that guy is. Real tall guy? No, shorter guy, I think. Maybe not. Not the real tall guy. Yeah, that's Keenan from Channel 9. I've seen him before. He's pretty good. Great dude. Yeah, he's he's awesome. It might have been a videographer from Channel 12. I don't know affectionately nicknamed Sausage. Oh. He doesn't like that nickname. I would say he probably doesn't. Yeah. Anyway, it was an awesome night to be outside watching football. Any thoughts from you? I guess my week four thought would be, and it's so funny because we're watching the Reds try to make a playoff run here as they come down to the final few weeks of the regular season, trying to get into the wild card. And even if they get there, it's like, oh, what's waiting for you? It's the Death Star, the Los Angeles Dodgers, the defending world champions and the team with the best roster in baseball. It kind of felt that way in 6A for so long. Like, yeah, hey, if you true. make the playoffs, you get to the quarterfinals, guess who's waiting for you? It's the Trinity. unbeatable best team in the Midwest, Trinity. They're different this year. Trinity's 0-4, and obviously they've played a hard schedule, but people that have seen them play have said that they're vulnerable this year. They're not the normal selves. So I do wonder... You look at Ryle, who right now is ranked in the top 10 in Class 6A. You wonder if the door is just open a little bit this year for whoever makes it out of 6A here in Northern Kentucky to do more damage, go deeper, and have an actual chance Mm -hmm. of winning a championship in Class 6A this year because Trinity is not the Dodgers this season. And we'll know a little bit more after next week. You've got St. X coming up to play Ryle. Um, Ryle has a bye, and then they have St. X after that. I think it was Mayo and X played a seven-point game about two weeks ago, maybe, maybe three weeks ago. 
and uh, Trinity and May all play tonight. So you'll have some like opponent. You'll have a, a, a an easier time to kind of decipher and, and read the terrain there. And I like those, I guess you'd call them separation games. Yes. In regular season, you know, people always want to use the word measuring stick, uh, you know, because that's fine. It's a measuring stick to that point. But we always talk about on the show that teams get better. They change. They morph as the season continues. But there is a bit of a separation that I think Ryle can do here in the next few weeks to separate themselves from the rest of the pack. Because I'll be honest, when the season started, I thought Dixie was the class of Class 6A here in Northern Kentucky. And we saw this last year with Dixie. Kind of a slow start, then they got hot at the end of the season and made a run. So that still might be in them because they still have a lot of those dudes back this year. So I'm not going to put it past Dixie to make that kind of run again. But what we're seeing with Ryle is a really balanced team. Offensively, they're dangerous. Defensively, they're dangerous. They have a great coach. And I think right now, Ryle has earned the right to be called the best team in Northern Kentucky in 6A. And if you're the best in Northern Kentucky in 6A this year, you got a chance because the human death star that is Trinity is not waiting this year, at least I think. And Coach England, we talked a little bit about the balance they have offensively and defensively as well. I mean, they've... We'll get into that. But anyway, the week four games, the final from Park Hills, Covington Catholic 24, Dixie 8 in the battle of Dixie Highway Colonels. Cuffcath wrote a balanced run game and a stubborn defensive effort to defeat Dixie in what was a whale of a game in Park Hills Friday night. Cuffcath's Eli Nally kicked a 26-yard field goal on their opening possession to give the Blue Colonels the early 3 to nothing lead. Dixie would put together an 11-play drive, but would turn the ball over on downs at the Cuffcath 27-yard line. Three plays later, Adam Holtz threw a strike to receiver John Linehan that he took 64 yards for the touchdown and a 10-0 lead. The game would be back and forth without scores for the next two quarters until an 80-yard 13-play drive ended, ended in a Nicholas Darple three-yard touchdown run that made it 17-0 early in the fourth quarter. On Cuffcast's next possession, Braden Collins would run it in from five yards out to make it 24-0. On the ensuing kickoff, Dixie's Ahmad Edwards returned at 90 yards to the house, and Logan Landers would hit Kel Hawkins for the two-point conversion to make it 24-8. Cuffcath would run out the clock from there. Holtz was 6 of 14 for 111 yards and rushed for nine yards. Braden Collins ran the ball eight times for 67 yards. Preston Agee rushed six times for 24 yards. Cuffcath had eight players run the ball on offense. John Linehan caught three passes for 77 yards, and Reed Hummel had two catches for 25 yards. Aiden Jones had eight tackles and a fumble recovery. David Sullivan had five. Robbie Sampas had four tackles and an interception that he returned for 24 yards. I played with his dad. Did you really? I knew Kathy. Yeah, he was a stud. Yeah. So Robbie's obviously better. Got talent. Preston Agee also had an interception on Friday. They returned 13 yards. Good game from him. Colin Gastride had three tackles and a sack and a forced fumble. For Dixie, Landers was 12 of 21 for 112 yards and rushed for six yards. Pierce Roman ran the ball 15 times for 48 yards and caught four passes for 38 yards. Hawkins had five catches for 57 yards, and Devin Holbert had three catches for 17 yards. Dixie ended with... 166 yards of offense, but also three turnovers, which really killed good drives. So we watched this game, both of us, from the sidelines. And first off, how about the uniforms? Oh, Did you like black. them? I, lo- I really loved them. We have black as well, so yeah. I'm a big fan of that. 
I thought it was cool. Yeah. I had no idea it was happening until I walked in and I said, who is playing out there? <laughs> and the all black uniforms, that was different. That was a nice touch. I thought that was cool. Uh, to me, this is one of the simplest things in sports. It's a lot easier to win games when you have good players and when you have all your good players. Yep. And for the first time, I think we're seeing Cat this year. And look, we're hitting the halfway point of the season. They finally got all their dudes back. Mm-hmm. You know, they played games without Zion Mason. They played a game without Aiden Jones. Now you put all those guys on the field and you're starting to see a team that I believe is starting to find an identity because to start the season the way they did was different for Cubcat. I believe a one and two start. That doesn't happen very often for them. But we saw a rotation of quarterback this week where Adam Holtz came in, but they had a package for Preston Agee. Um, who obviously is a is a playmaker in the backfield. So we, we see that they might use that sometimes, but it seems like Adam Holtz is still entrenched as the starting quarterback with AG coming in with a kind of a running package. But I just kind of seen an identity for this football team going forward that once you have their best players, they're going to play great defense. They didn't give up a single offensive touchdown in this game. So to shut out a team like Dixie with as many playmakers as they oh, yeah. have, that's a big deal mm-hmm. what they did in this game. And I think that's very impressive. Uh, I'm not sure you're going to find a team in the state with a 2-2 two and two record who has more talent and a bigger future than Cubcat does this season. So uh, I, I know they're ranked currently number seven in Class 5A. I think they're underrated. I think they're one of the five best teams in their class. I think they're going to continue to ascend. But I thought the biggest play in this game, and you mentioned Braden Collins, it was a 10 nothing game, and Cubcat had the ball right around midfield. It was one of those games that's like, is Dixie going to hang around here make a play and get out of here with an upset. Mm-hmm. And then he popped off a big play. It's like, it was just waiting. The game was waiting for a big play and Collins ran it inside the 10 yard line. Darple finished the drive and then they went up three scores and it kind of felt like Dixie's balloon had popped at that point. So Cuffcat two and two, uh, we're going to talk about what's next because it might be the game of the year in Northern Kentucky. Well, they still play Highlands. That'll be a big one, too. So uh, that's coming next week. But for Dixie, 2-2, two and two, it's kind of been a start-and-stop season a little bit for Dixie. Have you seen their schedule? I did. I looked a little bit at it today. Cool. So they have an open date this yeah. week, and then it's Highlands Beachwood. So it doesn't get any easier for Dixie and then going they go forward. into the district. It's tough. <laughs> yeah. So both teams, 2-2. Two and two. I, I think Cubcath has a lot of good things going for them right now with all their guys back. Beachwood, 49, Simon Kenton, 21, a huge offensive night for the Tigers, 574 yards of offense on the road in Independence. Cameron Hergert had a monster night, 13 of 14 passing for 274 yards, and he ran the ball 13 times for 152 yards and four rushing touchdowns. Wow. Not to be outdone, Avery Courtney rushed 11 times for 135 yards and had two scores of his own. Mitch Berger ran the ball twice for 17 yards and had a rushing touchdown. Beachwood had seven receivers catch ball on Friday night. Parker Mason had five catches for 86 yards. Berger caught five for 84 yards. Liam McCormick had a 43-yard catch. Tanner Jackson had a 30-yard catch. Brady Moore caught a 13-yard pass. And Brett Holliday and Avery Courtney also caught passes. Defensively, Xavier Campbell had three sacks for the Tigers. But Monty Hughes had a sack, and Tanner Jackson had sacks for Simon Kenton. Chase Crone was 12-17 for 163 yards and scored three rushing touchdowns when Rice had nine carries for 49 yards, and Jaden Lawson rushed 14 times for 21 yards. Luke Morrison had two catches for 35 yards, 
Jackson Galrath had a 34-yard catch. Lawson caught two passes for 33 yards. Gavin Riley had three catches for 32 yards. Josh Bowling had eight tackles. Chase Gill had seven. Joe Vornbrock had five, including a sack and two tackles for loss. So Steve and I, when we do this podcast, we both have laptops in front of us, and I have a Word document where I keep just a couple of notes on each game, some stats, some thoughts to kind of help myself when we talk about these games. I'm going to flip this around and show it to you. I have an entire page of notes Wow, on Beachwood. That's good. <laughs> I mean, that's the I'm kind glad. of stuff they're yeah, doing we, this year. We, we do our work. Okay, we so do our homework. I think most of the notes are about Cam Hergett. I mean, what else can we say about this guy? But I did star one thing about Cam Hergett, and it's the word efficiency. Yeah. Because I think the efficiency we're seeing this year with him is what's different. He puts up big stats. I mean, he put up enough stats to win Mr. Football last year. He won Mr. Football last year. He might be having an even better year yeah. this year. I don't think the counting numbers are the same right now because you think about the running clocks they've played, the blowouts they've played in. He's not getting the same opportunities maybe as some guys who would be playing four quarters of close games would get. But 13 of 14 passing and then four touchdowns on 13 rushes. Yeah, you're shaking your head. Yeah. It's, it's unbelievable. Efficient is the only word. Efficiency is why I starred that here with Beachwood. So we're talking about a team who is now 4-0 and with an aggregate score of 182-21. to They're ranked number one in Class 2A. This is interesting to me. And I think you've mentioned this. They're splitting first-place votes with Lexington Christian. Mm -hmm. Lexington Christian must be pretty good. I'm sure they are. So Beachwood has eight first-place votes. LC has five. So can we just go to Lexington yeah. now and play a five-game <laughs> series? Jeremy said that last week. <laughs> let's just get it on. Let's just get it on now. When I mean, you said best of seven series. Yeah. Let's go. It's September. Let's just go ahead and do it. Uh, look, other names we've been talking about that have really popped. Courtney Avery has really popped this year. Avery Courtney. Avery Courtney. See? Gosh darn it. Here we do. You did that Here with Spencer go. Hayden. Hayden Spencer, and now I'm doing Here it. Go. Yeah. Avery Courtney. Sorry, Avery. Parker Mason. Another kid who flashed again, five catches, 86 yards, and a fumble recovery. It's funny with Mitchell Berger. He just becomes a footnote in our conversation when he's one of the most talented players in the entire state. Yes. I mean, every single week. It's like we take the consistency for granted with this kid. 100 total yards and a touchdown for him. Xavier Campbell, I'm not sure if we talked about him. So I was on the sidelines at Holmes, and one of my buddies um, that I used to work with at Fox 19 is always down at Holmes because his wife works there. And he knows some people that go to Beachwood. He said, have you seen this Xavier Campbell kid? He's a stud. Monster. Yeah. Monster. Did you know he is number three in the state of Kentucky, regardless of class and sacks? He's got eight sacks, four games. Great start for Beachwood. Huge game coming up next week. A quick thought on Simon Kenton, 0-4, uh, 570 yards allowed defensively. That's kind of been the bugaboo this year for Simon Kenton. But Chase Williams, Chase Williams is having a year for Simon Kenton. Uh, three more catches in this game. He is top five in the state with 26 catches. He is top five in the state, averaging 111 yards a game. So we talked about Chase Crone so much. We've talked about Jaden Lawson. It's time to give Chase Williams a little shine because he's top five in the state in two important categories as a wide receiver. Ryle, 49, DeSales, 7. The Raiders roll on homecoming night in Union and win their third straight game behind six rushing touchdowns. Shout out O-line. Ryle had 10 players run the ball, six players catch passes, nine players scored points, and had 435 yards of offense on Friday night. Logan Virax was 14 of 20 for 155 yards and threw a touchdown pass to Jace Harden, 
who finished with three catches for 43 yards. Virax added 25 yards on the ground, including a rushing touchdown. Michael Lanier, I'm hoping I'm saying that right, Lanier, Lanier, ran for 84 yards on three carries and a touchdown. Nathan Yowen rushed three times for 48 yards and a touchdown. Gabe Savage had three carries for 46 yards and a touchdown. Lucas Kohlmeyer ran the ball twice for 31 yards and a touchdown. And Jace Harden added 25 yards on six carries. Gavin Rourke had four catches for 53 yards. Caden Gardner caught three balls for 27 yards. Abram Cusick had a 17-yard catch as well. Gabe Savage led all Raider defenders with 15 tackles, which gives him 43 on the season. Jackson Belk added eight, which puts him at 41 tackles on the season. And I asked Coach about this. You think they got a friendly competition going on? I guarantee they do. They should. Uh, Justin Moore also had eight tackles. Zach Talman had six. Luke Zimmerman and Luke Lone had five. Logan Orlando and Gabe Savage also recovered fumbles for the Raiders. And Logan Virax and Connor Peak forced fumbles. What do you think? I think we say Gabe Savage's name a lot. Yeah. I mean, that guy does a lot on Friday nights. Uh, what an outstanding season he's having so far. We expected it, and he's doing it. Uh, Ryle, three straight wins. They've only given up one touchdown in each of those three games. So I make the mistake sometimes of looking at Ryle as, you know, kind of quarterback you for, for a high school, what they've developed is plug, play, success, despite age, despite inexperience. These guys go in there and they produce, and we're seeing with the quarterback this year. Uh, the other word that I wrote down with this team is deep. Five different Raiders scored a rushing touchdown, so you have a lot of options. They have a lot of guys who are making plays. Shouts to the offensive coordinator. You gave props to the offensive line. Uh, I'm going to give some props to the offensive coordinator. I work with his wife. They're kind of cool people, so shouts to him. But Ryle, ranked top 10 in Class 6A, Highlands next, then St. X, who is ranked number 6. We're going to find a lot out about Ryle. Although I think I know a lot about them yeah. through four weeks. They're 3-1 and one and playing great on both sides of the football. But those next two, boy, they're going to be a lot of fun. Can't wait. Caught up with Coach Engler earlier, and here is that conversation. Ryle football coach Mike Engler, whose Raiders have won three in a row heading into Fort Thomas this week. Coach, thanks for stepping on. Oh, thanks for having me. Hey, I want to start with the offensive group. You know, as I look through your stats, this is such a balanced unit with five backs and five receivers who are consistently contributing each week, including Logan Virax, who replaced Braden Lyons and had, has had a great start to the season. Do you like where this group is at this point in the year? Oh, I, I love where they're at right now. Uh, and I think by being balanced, it uh, just makes us even harder to defend. So, uh, and yeah, and they're all working hard. And the, the greatest thing about Logan is being a sophomore, how well he distributes the ball to uh, everybody. You yeah. know, it's that he doesn't just lock in on one receiver. He actually goes through his reads, you know, and, I, and I've been saying all along, I, I honestly believe by, the, by mid to end of the season, he'll be the best quarterback going to Kentucky. Wow. Well, I mean, he's targeted so. 10 re- different receivers this year, and you've had at least 12, 13 guys rush the ball. Oh, and I was going to say, you know, even running the ball, like Jace Harden's our starter. Yeah. But we have a couple of big backs that are in the uh, that are in the backfield uh, with Yowen and Savage. Mm-hmm. And, you know, those guys, Savage weighs 225 pounds and uh, can run. Yeah. So he's hard to bring down. Uh, you know, as they, as you know, he had the big punt fake. Well, it really wasn't a punt fake. It's actually a fumbled punt. And I've given him the okay that, hey, if you see an opening, go for it. Because 
know, two twenty five, you get a big dead head, big head of steam going. Uh, it's he's hard to bring down. <laughs> Absolutely, and you know, four games in, seven hundred and forty three yards on the ground already. The offensive line has really done a masterful job in reading keys and and getting these guys. Uh, slots to get into and openings and backs have done a great job on that. They have. And, you know, we a lot of people don't realize that we returned four of our five offensive linemen from last year. You know, that just leads, you know, we got three seniors up there that uh, uh, two of them are three-year starters. And so there's a lot of experience. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, hands off to them. And they, they love it. I mean, they, they you know, they love uh, you know, getting out and seeing themselves on film and, and uh, getting out and making big blocks downfield up, you know, on the line of scrimmage, it doesn't matter. Then they have fun together. I love it. Now, you're an offensive guy, but you're also the head coach. So the defensive unit is a huge part of your successes and failures as a team. In the last three games, your defense has given up 21 total points, seven points in each game, and they're averaging 176 yards of offense allowed per game against three good teams, too. You know, how pleased well, with how pleased are you with this group and where they are? Oh, I'm very pleased. And people, uh, you know, you forget we held Lex Matthews averaging about 40 points a game to 21. Yeah, as well in the first game. I mean, to 24 in the first game, and uh, we had our chances to win that game. And uh, you know, we just made those first game errors. Yeah, three turnovers. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so you take away that stuff, and we were very successful in that game. Uh, so they they've played really well, and, and you know it, it makes a difference when you have like uh, eight starters back from last year that oh, yeah. have a lot of experience. Uh, we have what I think are two of the best linebackers in the state of Kentucky, and uh, and Jackson Belk and Gabe Savage, mm-hmm. and they you know and they bring that experience, uh, and they they study film, they listen, they ask questions, uh, they want to get better, yeah. and uh, and you know and one of the things I I think that has actually helped us a little bit is I turned a lot of the offense over to Mark Gray, my offense coordinator. Uh, and, you know, I have to have a lot of influence in it and things. But I, I've actually done a lot more with the defense. And I think that our kids see that. Uh, and I think by me being over on the defensive side some, uh, they are like, hey, Coach Engler is actually looking at us a little bit. Yeah. Uh, so it's not an offense versus defense. It's a team effort. You mentioned Gabe Savage and Jackson Belk, two kids that we've talked about just about every week. Uh, was looking on the defensive stats last night and Gabe is leading the team with 43 tackles and Jackson has got 41 tackles. It, it's almost like there's a friendly competition there between them on, you know, who's going to who's going to end up with the most sacks or fumble recoveries and all that stuff. There's a little bit, but you know when the thing that people got to realize is if they're getting tackles, that means our D-line is doing what they're supposed to do. Yeah. So the, the D-line is kind of like the offensive line. They're, they're not, you know, they don't get the news all the time because they're not making eight tackles a game, ten tackles a game, uh, because they're doing what they're doing up front, and they're doing it right, and they're keeping those, those offensive linemen off our linebackers and allowing our linebackers to make plays. Big week this week, and going over to Fort Thomas to play an Highlands team that's pretty good. You're heading into your bye week right after that. What are a couple things that you're looking to see from this group, both offense and defensively, uh, without giving up any secrets, but um, heading into that bye week and then coming into district play? Before we, uh, before we do that, let me tell you, uh, there's a, a l- little bit of a difference here in this game because uh, you may not know this, but I actually coached with Bob Spire. At, at Lexcath, yeah, for for fifteen years. But one other little uh, added thing to that, uh, Bob actually coached me in high school at Mee County, 
oh. where he was the offensive coordinator. And he was also my high school, my senior year, my high school English teacher. So it's going to be, so, you guys will both be a little squirrely <laughs> on Friday night. I've, I've had yeah. several conversations with Coach Byer, and he, uh, he's a pretty smart cat. He, he, he knows what he he's is. doing. We had had a conversation one day, and his last home game at Lexcath was a state semifinal game against Rockcastle County, and I was on the wing in that game on the Rockcastle County side, and we were just chatting about that one day. So it's, uh-huh. it's just kind of funny, the little tie-in between all that. There's always something. Oh yeah, and um, we're looking. We've actually texted a few times this week, and we we keep up quite a bit, uh, you know. And and it's funny when he was watching film, he texted me Sunday morning, and he's like, he's like, hey, I remember, uh, I remember us running that play back in the day. It brought back some fond memories. Yeah, since you've been at Ryle, the offenses have done really well, but the defense has always been good. And right. you know, it's this is a Highlands a Highlands offensive team that's really putting together numbers. They've got this dual threat quarterback with Charlie Noon. Nothing that you've Correct. not seen with, uh, you know, um, Alex Castrusi and the, the young man from Lexcath. So you have prepared for some of that. And, and still, you're also seeing the same things. You'll see the same things on de- on offense that uh, other teams have tried to do defensively to you. So you've got to feel comfortable with, with where you're at there. Oh, yeah, definitely. That's why you play uh, good teams early in the season. Of course, we look at it as a fact uh, that, it, that it's going to get us better because come district time, uh, there's a couple quarterbacks that we have to face in our district oh, yeah. that, you know, when it comes time to facing Chase Crone and, uh, and Landers. Logan Landers and, and yeah. But, uh, you know, when it comes time, we will not have faced anything. You know, we will already have faced very good quarterbacks that are very similar. So, you know, and that's why we play those teams. Yep. It's so that we can prepare ourselves. And when it comes time to, to play Dixie, you know, Logan and Logan Landers and his speed and his throwing ability, yep. it's not going to surprise us. Well, Coach, I appreciate you uh, stepping on here and get back to work and uh, good luck this week. All right. Thank you very much. Cooper, 34, Campbell County, nothing. The Jags move to 3-1 and one on the year behind a big night for the offense and a big night for the defense. Cooper tallied 451 yards of offense and their defense allowed 138 yards for the game. Senior class president and epic tennis ball thrower Drew Worth was 9 of 13 for 125 yards and threw a 41-yard touchdown pass to Alex Turner and a 21-yard pass, 21-yard touchdown pass to Jack Loniker. Drew targeted six different Jaguar receivers, including Jake Harmeyer, who had two catches for 22 yards, Jace Hotchkiss, who had a 19-yard catch, Marciano McCullough had three catches for 18 yards, and Austin Alexander had a catch as well. Eli White, my dude, had a huge night on the ground, 13 carries for 137 yards and a rushing touchdown. Brennan Ty rushed nine times for 123 yards and a touchdown. Cole Henry had six carries for 45 yards. Joe, we need to talk about Drew Worth and his running stats, though. Two carries for negative 13 yards. How are you going to do that to him when he threw for 125 and two touchdowns? Bro. Yeah. He did make four or five extra points, though. See? Multi-talented. Here we go. Defensively, Lucas Hughes led the way with eight tackles and an interception. Jack Loniker had seven tackles. Marciano McCullough had six tackles and an interception. Jake Harmeyer had five tackles. Austin Alexander and Jace Hotchkiss both had three. For the Camels, quarterback Keegan Hill was 12 of 29 for 89 yards and added 14 yards on the ground. Nathan Smith had 19 yards on the ground. Creed Marr caught four balls for 29 yards. Trevor Hall caught two passes for 26 yards. And Aiden Ballins had four catches for 25 yards. Skylar Bowen had eight tackles and a fumble recovery on defense. Mitch McElroy had seven tackles. Aiden Ballins had six. 
two sacks and a fumble recovery. Good game from him. Brian Gunn and Creed Marr both had four tackles. So Cooper is 3-1, and one, and you think back to the one game they lost, they are a couple of breaks away from being 4-0, and oh, and yeah. to me, one of the more surprising teams in Northern Kentucky. Maybe not to them, but as an outsider looking in, uh, what they're doing this year uh, is really surprising me, and I... It goes back to Drew Warth, you know, and you jabbed at him a little bit about the tennis balls. That was a lot of fun. I was out there to do a story on him, and he helped me with a, a quick stand-up I was doing about Jamar Chase throwing some tennis balls at me. But what a calming influence he's been on this team. It's, it's unlocked them offensively a little bit for him to throw it around. And then you have Eli White and Brandon Ty, who combined for 260 yards rushing and two touchdowns. And what a season for Jack Loniker. Touchdown reception in this game, seven more tackles. He's top 20 in the state in tackles, so he's having a big year. Cooper defensively is top 10 in the state, allowing fewer than seven points per game. That's why they're ranked right near the top 10 in Class 5A in the AP poll. So, Cooper, uh, another impressive win, another impressive week. Do want to give a shout-out to a couple of players for Campbell. You mentioned them, Aiden Bowens, Skylar Bowen. Each had uh, some some big plays in this game, and, and Campbell County had three sacks as a team. So guys still making plays defensively for Campbell County, but Cooper is the story here. Three and one could have been four and zero. Oh. I'm sure that one still bothers the coaches. I know when I went out there to visit, they were still bothered by it. That's kind of what football coaches do. Any coach, they always yeah. remember those losses. They don't remember the wins. Well, but you remember the mistakes. You remember the mistakes, especially when they're like in the red zone, mm-hmm. near the goal line. They were so close to being 4-0. and But boy, great position for Cooper and a really, really good first half of the season for the Jags. McNick, 27. Highlands, 21. The Birds pick up their first loss of the season on the east side on Friday night. Charlie Noon had another monster night, 14 of 19 for 144 yards. And two touchdown passes. Charlie also ran the ball 20 times for 146 yards and a touchdown. Sam Robinson carried the ball 12 times for 51 yards. And Adam Dunn had five carries for 19 yards. Highlands ran the ball 44 times in the game on Friday. Clayton Lloyd with another big game. Five catches for 63 yards and two touchdown receptions. Jacob Welch caught three passes for 23 yards. He also had 11 yards on the ground. Carson Class had a 21-yard catch. Davis Hennegardner caught two balls for 17 yards. Adam Dunn. I wonder if he's related to the Adam Dunn. The big donkey. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. He had a 14-yard catch, and Sam Robinson caught two passes as well. Defensively, Dunn had nine tackles. Caleb Kissy had four. Robinson, Brennan Kelsey, Eli LaFrange, and Isaac Surrey each had three. So Highland suffers their first loss, but uh, Charlie Noon continues to put up just massive numbers. Boy, yeah. he is. He could be a future Mr. Football finalist. Oh, there's no doubt. The way this kid puts yeah. up numbers. I mean, you talk about counting numbers in this game. He's averaging 114 yards rushing per game, and he's top 10 in the state with 230 yards passing yeah. per game. So this is a guy who typically has 200 in the air, 100-plus on the ground, 300-plus every week. He's probably going to have a season over 3,000 total yards. Uh, That's just the kind of player he is, and he has just had a dynamite season so far. He's been great ever since last season. Was it Ryle? At Ryle was his coming out party. It was. It was like the second game of the year. You're right. I remember that as a sophomore, right? Yeah. You know, come in there and and that's... uh, The Fallbush player, he was was the starting quarterback. Yeah, Jake. Jake, that's right. Yeah, I mean, Charlie came in and... Hasn't given it up since. Uh, 
Highlands allowed nearly 400 yards of total offense in this game. McNick's a good team. Yes. McNick is undefeated, undefeated, and they're hosting the Crosstown Showdown this week against Roger Bacon, who we saw a few weeks ago against Newcath. But Highlands here, you know, you, you pull out these little sections of a schedule where they played McNick, and then they play Ryle, they play Dixie, they play Covcath, they still play Cooper. I mean, it's, it doesn't end. It, 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 it's how deep Northern Kentucky is this year with some of the bigger schools, and, and Highlands is going to be tested here the next few weeks, but still. You look at where they are, the ranked top five in the state for a reason. Uh, people have seen him play, are impressed, and it starts with that quarterback and the huge numbers he's putting up this year. Really impressive player. Connor, 28, Scott High, 3. The Cougars roll to 2-2 two and two on a big night from junior running back Elijah Thompson and a big night from their defense and offensive line. Thompson rushed the ball 21 times for 150 yards and scored all four touchdowns for Connor. Alex Castrusi had 11 carries for 68 yards and was 4 of 5 passing for 47 yards. Cody Crawford had 3 catches for 38 yards, and Thompson had the other reception for 9 yards. My man Carter Lindemann led the defense with 8 tackles, a tackle for loss and a sack on Friday. Castrusi had 8 tackles, Ben Fay had 5. Frankie Salzarulo, did I say that right? Salzarulo, you got to do it with oh, the fingers. Okay, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And Eddie Thomas each had four. I hope we say that right. I know. <laughs> We're trying. We're, we are trying. Uh, Scott's Gus Hallett was eight of 13 for 101 yards and rushed 13 times for 69 yards to lead the Eagles. Benny Hill added 33 yards on the ground. Riley Huff had two catches for 40 yards. And Cam Patterson had two catches for 36 yards. Luke Iden kicked the field goal for the Eagles because he's amazing. Zach Shepard had 10 tackles to lead the defense. Griffin Henderson and Damon Hacker had both had six. Boomer Klusman, Dasani Lane, and Sage Lally all had four. I'm going to try something here. Okay. Okay. You know what that theme That's song the is? Team. That is the A team. Yeah. Alex Castrusi and Elijah Thompson. Yeah. The A team. I'm going to start calling them the A team going forward. Again, 200 plus yards combined, four touchdowns. They are the engine. At Connor, it seems every week you look up the box score, I'm like, where's Castrusi? Where's Thompson? Yep, if they're making plays, they're winning games. And boy, what a night for Elijah Thompson. I've said it here. I am a, I'm going to turn this podcast into an Elijah Thompson fan account. Come on. I'm trying to get this kid recruited. I'm sure he's being recruited already, considering how good of a football player he is. I'm just reminding all coaches who might listen to this on the next level, Elijah Thompson is a player. What a game he had against Scott High School. Does it every week. Doesn't surprise me. The next play, Campbell County, Boone County. A chance here for Campbell, for Connor to get on a bit of a run. 2-2 uh, two and two right now. A chance to get to 4-2 and two with a couple of wins the next couple of weeks. Scott drops to 2-2. Two and two. A get-right chance next week against Grant County before they start their biggest games of the season going forward. But if they get that win next week, they're back above 500, feeling good before that important stretch. Newport Catholic, 23. Walton Verona, 14. The Breds also moved to 2-2 two and two on the season with the win in Verona on Friday. Demetric Welch ran the ball 20 times for 103 yards and scored two touchdowns to pace the thoroughbreds. Colton Smith was 8-17 of 17 for 102 yards and threw a touchdown pass to Luke Runyon. Runyon finished with five catches for 48 yards. Welch also had two catches for 39 yards. Dominic Morgan had a 15-yard catch Friday night. Runyon rushed the ball three times for 40 yards. Quentin Gilliam led the defense with six tackles and a sack. Luke Brockman also had six tackles, forced a fumble, and recovered a fumble. Hmm. 
Grant Powell and Welch both had four tackles. Dom Morgan and C.J. Gavin both had three tackles, including two tackles for loss each. Nick Rouse had two tackles and an interception that he returned for 20 yards, which is more tackles, more interceptions, and more yards gained than his dad did in three years at Newport. Man, you just (laughs) burned dads left and right on this podcast. Tough night offensively for the Bearcats, only gaining 43 yards. They were a little shorthanded. Tyson Beach had 11 carries for 27 yards. My man Wiley Baker had a rushing touchdown for Walton Verona, but had an electric 69-yard punt return for a touchdown to kick off the scoring in the first quarter. I can, I'll tell you what, he burns it. He's good. I like him. I'm just here about the first name. Yeah. Well, I love, love it, yeah. Yeah. Chris Harward had nine tackles to lead the Fighting Barth defense. Nolan Art had five. Logan Ryan had four. Carter Birch had three tackles in a sack. Max Montgomery also had three tackles and two fumble recoveries. So you mentioned the 43 total yards for Walton Verona. They're struggling with injuries right now. Your guy, Trey Ferguson, yeah. got banged up in, his, in that game. His grandpa... Uh, sends me emails um, usually weekly about his grandson. Very proud of him, Good. as you should be. Uh, should Trey's be. injured, uh, so that that's a big loss for them. You can see they struggled without one of the best playmakers. Jacob Gaines, another guy we've talked about, he didn't play in this game. He's banged up as well. So, you know, you start to figure out more about what's going on. That helps explain why they didn't have a great offensive game here when they're missing two of their best offensive players in Ferguson and gains. But Newcast now two and two, a top ten team in class A in the AP poll. Demetric Welch, twenty-two touches, hundred and forty-two total yards, three touchdowns. He's becoming a horse yep. for the breads. What impressed me most about this game is how many plays Newcast made in the backfield defensively. Twelve tackles for loss as a team. I mean, th- those kinds of plays are game changers people talk about turnovers they talk about explosive plays on offense when you put a team behind the chains by making tackles in the backfield huge difference maker for a football team new cat now two and two and you look at their schedule holy cross newport ludlow dayton bellevue i'm looking at a possible run here to get them to seven and two before the final game of the regular season against beachwood so new cat a chance now to go on a run two and two with a good win over walton Bishop Brosser, 21, Holy Cross nothing. The Mustangs remain unbeaten, defeating the visiting Indians at the MAC on Friday night. Jacob Light returned to the team this week, but Coach Wiggins is a hater and only let him throw four passes in the game, for which he completed three of them, including a 16-yard touchdown to David Govan. The real Jed Mart ran the ball 15 times for 76 yards and a touchdown because he's awesome. Do people know why you call him that? That's his Twitter handle. I know. The real Jed Mart. I wonder who the fake Jed Mart is. Mm. See, that's what I need to find out. I don't know. I got into a little Twitter beef there with his brother, who's a coach on the team. I've known his brother Joey for a long time. <laughs> and he said he should be the best Martin because he's the youngest. Yeah, it passes down. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know. Is that how that works? It should be. It didn't happen with me. Uh, like rushed 20. <laughs> I was waiting for that. Like rushed 21 times for 63 yards and also had a rushing touchdown. Evan Orth had four carries for 34 yards. Derek Martin, don't know if he's related to Jed, but it's Campbell County, so he probably is. Had an 11-yard catch, covered by or recovered a fumble, and had three tackles on Friday. Evan Orth had seven tackles. Caleb Lukes had six. Austin Shadler had Austin Shadler and Jed Martin each had five. Nathan Heck and David Govan both had four tackles and forced fumbles. For the Indians, Javier Eisen was 11 of 20 for 90 yards. LeVar Jones rushed 10 times for 43 yards. Javier Ward had two carries for 19 yards. Landon Phillips cut three passes. 
Cade Lemko, Terrell Moses, and Javier Ward all had two catches. Brandon Niemeyer led the defense with 12.5 tackles and a sack. Lemko had 8.5, and, and Luca Beeger had 8. So Bishop Rossert now 4-0 with an aggregate score of 112-7. They've given up 7 points in 4 games this year. They lead the state, the entire state, regardless of class, in points allowed per game. They've given up 7-4. and four. That's 2 points a game, basically, yeah. in their first 4 weeks. That's really impressive. Allowed less than 100 yards passing in this game, less than 60 yards rushing, defense getting it done for Bishop Brossert. Jed Martin, the real Jed Martin, you gave his stats for the game. Let me give you his stats for the year. He's top 50 in the state with 116 yards rushing per game. He's got 465 yards and four touchdowns in four weeks. So you're looking at that kind of paces out to about an 1,100-yard, 1,200-yard regular season, double-digit touchdown. So big-time year for Jed Martin. And then you look at the schedule for Bishop Brossard. I'm wondering how far this undefeated record could go with Lloyd up next, Ludlow, Nicholas County. Uh, not gimmies by any stretch of the imagination, but you wonder if this team can put together a kind of run that could get them to 6-0, and mm-hmm. maybe 7-0, and the way they're playing defense and the way Jed Martin was running the football. Uh, for Holy Cross, now 1-3, and three, you mentioned the name Niemeyer. How about the game he had? Wow. 13 tackles. Yep. Two tackles for loss, a sack. He's top 15 in the state, averaging 13 tackles per game for Holy Cross. So he's been a bright, uh, real bright spot for the Indians so far this year. But boy, Holy Cross' schedule, it just it doesn't get any easier. It's Newcath next, then it's Holmes, then it's Beachwood. This is a team who just needs a break, needs something to go their way. They're 1-3, and, and the schedule's not giving them any breaks with three really hard games the next three weeks. Boone County 26, Lloyd 6. The Rebels moved 2-2 two two on the season, defeating the visiting Jugs in Florence. Richard West was 7-11 of 11 for 126 yards and threw touchdown passes to Tyler Whipple and Jayshon Pouncey. Richard also led the Rebel ground game with 49 yards on 12 carries and a rushing touchdown. Braden McCarty had 6 carries for 21 yards, including a beast mode touchdown in the fourth quarter. Jeremiah Williams had 12 carries for 32 yards. Whipple finished with two catches for 51 yards. McCarty had three catches for 40 yards. And Pouncey caught two passes for 35 yards. Maury Kenny led the defense with eight tackles. Desmond Hopkins had six. Samuel Brown had four. And Pouncey had three. For Lloyd, they dropped to two and two on the year as well. No Hayden Spencer in this one, which was a big loss for them. Ethan Spaulding took over quarterback duties this week. He was three of 12 for 69 yards, but threw three interceptions. Caden Zulager paced the jug offense with 14 carries on and 69 yards. And the lone touchdown, Quentin Jones caught two passes for 54 yards. Tyler Copeland had five tackles for the Lloyd defense. Amari Riley and Elijah Westwood both had four. Quarterbacks matter. You don't have your starting quarterback. It's hard to score points, and we saw that for Lloyd yeah. in this game, only scoring six points without their starting quarterback. But Boone County now 2-2. Two and two. Do you know the last time they won more than two games in a season was? Oh, my gosh. No. Ten years ago. Wow. They I won, was going to say. They won nine games ten years say, ago. It had to have been Rick Thompson, one of Rick Thompson's yeah. last year or two there. So it's been a decade since they mm-hmm. won more than two games, and they're 2-2 two and two right now and staring at perhaps doing something different, doing something better this year. And uh, certainly things look up right now at Boone County. Richard West is a name we've talked about a lot on this show. He's a pretty special kid out in Boone County, having another great season for the Rebels. Skyler Sears, three interceptions in this game. He leads the state 
in interceptions this year. Skylar Sears, have yourself a season, man. Four picks so far through four games. And then, you know, you talk about can Boone County continue the winning? Can they get to that third win? I mean, their schedule going forward is really difficult. It includes Connor, includes Covcath, Highlands, Cooper, Walton. Uh, I think the chance is there somewhere for them to get that third win and uh, have that first three-win season since they did it back in 2011. But the schedule isn't easy. But with Richard West, good coach, and another name, Jay Sean Pouncey, is a name that's popped now a couple straight weeks. Um, good things for Boone County. Good win against Lloyd. Holmes, 38, Newport, 8. The Dogs move to 3-1 and one on the season on the backs of the triple threat in their backfield. Curtis Hill sighting. Three-yard touchdown run in the first quarter. Put the Bulldogs on the board first. Tez Callaway added the two-point conversion to make it 8 to nothing. Tay Callaway followed that up with a 13-yard touchdown run of his own just before the end of the first quarter, and they led 16-0 after Tez Callaway's two-point conversion. Holmes would get a safety late in the second quarter on a Newport snap that went through the end zone, which made it 18 to nothing. but they would capitalize on the Newport error two minutes later when Tez Callaway scored from three yards out to give Holmes the 24-0 lead at half. Curtez Hill's 14-yard touchdown run and two-point conversion midway through the third made it 32 to nothing, and Preston Perkins' nine-yard touchdown run early in the fourth quarter made it 38 to nothing. Newport's Michael King would score on a 56-yard run with just over two minutes remaining, and the Caleb Thompson two-point conversion ended the scoring at 38 to eight. Tay Calloway finished with 112 yards rushing. Curtez Hill had 60. And Tez Callaway had 56. Michael King had 71 yards rushing for the Wildcats. Holmes' defense led, held Newport to 117 yards on offense. Newport played this game without Ethan Jefferson, who was injured against Bishop Brossard. Ho-hum Holmes. Yeah, they just win, right? Mm-hmm. Just keep winning. 3-1. and one. I'm thinking they're looking at a 7 or 8 win regular season. They're just outside of the top 10 in Class 4A. Uh, Callaway, Callaway, Hill... Sounds like a law firm. Boy, these guys can really run the ball. Yeah. And you, you start to think about the ways teams win. And Ben Nevels has to be proud of the fact that his team is top 10 of the state in rushing yards per game and in rushing defense per game. You know, you win up front, you win football games. And right now, Holmes is winning up front. Taquan Callaway's having a big year, 455 yards rushing in three, uh, four games. He's uh, top 10 in the state. With 152 yards per game, I'll take that back. He's only played in three of the four games because he's averaging 150 yards per game and has 455 yards in three games. So he's having a huge year, and, uh, well, he's a lot of fun to watch. I was down to the sidelines for this game. You know what was really funny? And I've talked about Robert Sanders on this show. He's a defensive lineman for Newport, the Sandman, Robert Sanders. Eight tackles, two tackles for loss in this game. Ben Nevels was going up and down the sideline as Holmes was trying to get the offense going. They're trying to figure out where to run the ball. He was yelling because Robert Sanders is number 77. Say it with me. Don't run to 77 side. He said it multiple times to his team. Literally stop running at that guy because he is a human game wrecker. That kid's going to play on the next level. Robert Sanders is the real deal. Once they figured that out and started exploiting the different side of the line, you saw Holmes have some success and went on to win by 30 points. But it was, I was on the sidelines for this game. I like when kids... You know, uh, take games personally. Yeah. This is a personal game, Holmes and Newport. These these kids know each other. Uh, these kids probably have 
played on the same team sometimes growing up, whether it be basketball, football, baseball, whatever it is. Uh, and it was a lot of fun to watch these kids compete. But Holmes uh, forced five turnovers, won it up front, and then stopped running to number 77. And just to be on the sideline near Ben Nevels is an absolute trip. I have a blast every time I'm on the whole sideline. And uh, a good win for them, 3-1, and one, having another good year. Paris, 32, Ludlow, 28. The Panthers dropped to 1-2 and two after the loss at home. And what was their third straight one-possession game? Coach Taphouse's growing gray hair mm-hmm. by the minute on Friday nights. A big night for Brogan O'Brien, 10 of 18 for 179 yards with two touchdown passes. Brogan also rushed for 41 yards and a touchdown and then led the t- defense in tackles. My man, Braxton Newborn rushed the ball for, uh, six times for 65 yards and a touchdown. Nick Tackett carried the ball nine times for 64 yards. Jackson Rice caught four passes for 60 yards and a touchdown. Tommy King caught two passes for 45 yards. And Cameron Whalen had two catches for 35 yards and a touchdown. On top of O'Brien's 11 tackles, Sean Bowling had eight tackles. Tommy King had six. Lucas Lay had five. And Braxton Newborn had four. You can see with Braxton only getting the ball six times in this game that uh, the B.O.B., Brogan O'Brien, had to put a lot on his shoulders, and he delivered 179 yards passing, two touchdowns, 41 yards rushing, and then the 11 tackles. This is, again, you're right, another one-possession game. And, and Ludlow's record now is, you know, Dennis Green said it, you know, it is what it is. They are who they thought they were. But I, I don't think they are who I think they are with that one and two record. I think they're better than yeah. that. And uh, the one possession game, you're right, has to be frustrating for a head coach. But uh, I know the talent they've got. And, uh, you know, O'Brien's having a great year. Newborn will bounce back and uh, continue to pace that backfield. But, uh, yeah, it has to be frustrating. Uh, a winnable game and a one-possession game that I'm sure coaches always go back. This play here, that play there could have changed things, and Ludlow takes a four-point loss. McGoffin County, 40, Bellevue, 14. Logan Allen had 56 yards in the ground, including both Tiger touchdowns. He also had a 19-yard completion to Stephen Myers. Zach Noonchester had a tough night offensively, but led the defense with 10 tackles and a sack. Bronson Orms had nine tackles and a sack. Braden Corley had six tackles and two sacks. And Stephen Myers had five tackles in a sack. Corey Cable had a sack on Friday night for the Tigers as well. Can I gas up the Bellevue defense a little bit here? Yeah. 15 sacks in four games this year. That's 11th in the state of Kentucky, regardless of class. Seven sacks in this game. And Zach Noonchester, you mentioned it, double-digit tackles, a sack in this game. He's top 25 in the state with four sacks on the season after four games. So the Bellevue front seven defensively can do things and did things in this game. Uh, Bellevue actually got on the board a little bit offensively, their best and highest scoring game of the season, but still 0-4 after a loss to McGoffin County. For the Week 5 games, Thursday night, Cincinnati College Prep Academy will travel to Newport. On Friday night, Gallatin County will travel to Bellevue. Uh, Lloyd will travel to Bishop Brossard. This will be a really interesting game. You like that one. I do. Because Bishop Brossard's undefeated, and I was here talking about a possible 6-0, 7-0 run, but Lloyd, if they get their quarterback back, Lloyd's dangerous. Lloyd's got some playmakers. That could be interesting. Ludlow will travel to Carroll County. Carroll County, again, much improved team. Ludlow needing a breakout win on the road, on the turf. Should be interesting there. Campbell County will travel to Connor. Scott will travel to Grant County. 
Ryle will travel to Highlands. What do you think about that, Joe? Yeah, I'm not going to call that one an undercard because we know what the main event <laughs> yeah. is this week, but I, that's too big of a game to call that an undercard to anything. Uh, to me, it's the Ryle defense, the Savages, the Belks against Charlie Noon. And Charlie Noon's been putting up just massive numbers. Can Highlands bounce back after the first, uh, first loss of the season? But Ryle has shown it's not just a defensive team. It's not just an offensive team. It's both. And uh, again, their ascension right now in Class 6A, to me, has become one of the better stories of the Northern Kentucky high school football season. Great game. I love that it's at Highlands, a good road test for Ryle, because if they are going to do damage in Class 6A like I think they can, this is a prove-it game to me at Highlands. Good quarterback, tough place to play. It's going to be a fun one on Friday. Holy Cross will travel to Newport Central Catholic. Dayton will travel to Sayre, a little on the road in Lexington. Boone County will travel to Walton Verona. Again, another game. Walton Verona healthy, hopefully. Uh, Boone County playing well. Be interesting there as well. And then Covenant Catholic will travel to Beechwood. So there it is, right? This is the one that we've been looking forward to. Um, and it goes back to the question I asked early in the season on this podcast. Is Beechwood the best team in Northern Kentucky? I think if you made a list of the teams we think could be in the conversation for best team in Northern Kentucky. I think we would put both Cuffcath and Beachwood there. I think certainly we put Ryle there. I think Cooper's got an argument to be up there with the start they've gotten off to. But uh, considering tradition and rivalry and the way the game played last year, this one just feels different. Fort Mitchell is going to be rocking on Friday night. Uh, look, Beachwood's got Mr. Football at quarterback. We know how important that position is. He's had the efficiency this season that's off the charts. Uh, Playmakers all around. Cuffcath is rounding into form. Everybody's back. They're healthy. Uh, They're tough defensively. This is going to be a fun game. I think this might be lower scoring than people will think. I was thinking the same thing. Because I think last year, neither team got to 20. I think it was like 19 to 17. I think or, that sounds correct. Yeah, there was a safety that was the difference in the game. Yeah, so. A, I believe mean, there was a hold in the end zone. Despite all the playmakers that both teams have, yeah. I could definitely see this game. I could see 21 or 24 points being enough to win this game. Yeah, and I thought, and I said it last week about Cuffcath and Dixie, the team who plays defense better will win. And I know it's stupid to say that, and it may be a little cliche, but Cuffcath played better defense. Dixie settled down after that first touchdown. Mm-hmm. Uh, it went back and forth, but they just they broke through the end zone more times, obviously. And pretty much the same thing here. Beachwood's defense, really good. Cuffcast's defense, really good. Lots of weapons on both sides. And what do coaches always say are, is the difference in a big game like this is turnovers. Mm-hmm. And it's yeah. hard to turn over a quarterback like Cam Horgan. He's seen everything, I would think on a high school football field. He just kind of has that experience, that it factor that I think could be a separator in this game. But boy, <laughs> I'm not picking against Cuffcath in this one. I mean, I quite honestly, if you took me, uh, you know, and, and made me pick a winner in this game, I'd say pick a coin, you know, and flip it. I have no idea who's going to win this game. That's why I think it's so intriguing. And I, I, I do think the players feel it. I think the players and the coaches and the fans of these two teams probably feel this as a bit of a, okay, 
who really is the best team in Northern Kentucky. And I like that in the regular season because a lot of times regular season games don't have a lot of juice comparatively to the playoffs. I'm not sure either team will play a bigger game this season uh, unless they get all the way to a state championship game. It's going to be rocking Friday night. I can't wait. <laughs> I know I'll be there for sure. Got any final thoughts? So Drew Worth, we mentioned the Cooper quarterback. Uh, I have a story coming out about him next Wednesday night. So that'll be September 22nd, September 22nd at 10 o'clock. So I was told about this story that uh, Cooper's quarterback had uh, some kind of rare injury, something that happened and he had to miss his junior season and he's back on the field for his senior season. So I went out to practice to learn more about this. And it was funny because I sent Randy Borchers an email saying, I heard your quarterback has a pretty interesting story. Can I come by and do a story? He's like, yeah, come on by. He's like, give me a call before you get there and I'll let you know exactly what's up with it and give you some more details. So we both missed each other So on, on a phone call. So I showed up to the practice, really not knowing much about Drew or about his injury. And it's it was pretty stunning what I learned. And it's a pretty amazing story. First of all, he's a great, great, a-plus kid. I mean, he's class president. He's got a great mustache. <laughs> he's got a great personality. I asked him about his mustache. I'm like, are you going to keep that? He's like, my mom and my girlfriend like it. And I said, well, oh. that checks both boxes, man. That's all Come you on. need. Uh, but the story is pretty incredible. He had two surgeries on his shoulders, had muscles removed, had bones removed, just to give him a better chance at having a normal, fully functioning upper body in life. Was told maybe he would never play football again. But he's back on the field, um, and he's doing great things, and Cooper's playing great football. I think when people see this story, they're going to cheer for Cooper going forward because how can you not cheer for a kid like that who's overcome what he's overcome and gotten back on the field with a great attitude? And that was a scary situation, too. It was because it came out of nowhere. Yep. You know, it wasn't, it wasn't an injury on a field. It was, it was something, you know, he was training, he was practicing, and he said it was something he's had his entire life. It's a very complicated, and it's medical terms I don't really understand, but, uh, you know, his arms would go numb, and his arms would swell up, they would turn purple, and coaches are like, man, this is not right. I think Randy had said that they thought he had a, may have had a blood clot or something weird was happening. Circulation was obviously being cut off. That's it. It was a circulation problem, and it had to get fixed with surgeries on his shoulders. And it was funny, too, because he showed me his scars. They're right up by his collarbone where they did the surgery. And I said, those things are still pretty fresh looking. He's like, they gave me some cream to rub on them to make the scars go away. He said, I threw the cream away. He's like, I want the scars. I love it. To remind myself. I love it. Jeremy just pulled in before, just doing work. You doing all right? Doing great. <laughs> he looks thrilled. He just rolled in. <laughs> well, we appreciate you guys being patient with us and getting this out on Wednesday instead of on Sunday. Uh, probably the same thing will happen next week. Oh, yes, same thing next week, but then the following week, the Bengals do play a Thursday night game, so we should be back to our usual earlier in the week release. Awesome. But until then, we will see you guys next week.